0: It's that time again. Time for the cowboy roundtable. Number four for year 2019. I'm your host, Jeff Fry. Today we got a big field of Wyoming fans on our show. Of course, we got Ian McMackin, publisher of Go Wild Go. We have Cody Tucker, who's the publisher of uh, 7220. He'll be joining us. And Jim Inest, our super fan down there in Colorado. So with all ado, or without any other ado, let's get this thing started. There's the studio audience. Gentlemen, gentlemen, welcome to Cowboy Roundtable Number Four. And let's just go around the horn. Let's start with you, Cody. How you doing? Well, I'm
1: doing great, man. A little uh car lagged, I guess you'd call it, from the trip from Tulsa, but uh feeling good, man. Ready for ready for UNLV, ready to be home.
0: Well, you know, they've invented airplanes. You don't have to <laughs> you don't
1: have if to just make those things so scary.
0: Oh, I tell you. Oh boy. How long oh, of a drive boy, was man. that?
1: About 12 hours It was about six shorter than the Texas state trip So can't complain too much
0: Well we got Ian here Ian how are you doing?
2: (laughs) i'm doing very well today i got to sit next to jim on saturday at the viewing party down there in denver uh so i gotta to, got to listen to his uh insight on the football game for the first three quarters and of course he got up and left and the cowboys started uh, picking up some momentum after that
0: so not
2: not enough to win the game though
0: well it was uh, it was a good effort uh, jim uh, how's everything out there in the denver land
2: been great
3: jeff uh The audience is far more enthusiastic than last week. So I sense that they also feel that this should be a a good game coming up for us.
0: Well, I tell you, um, that was a disappointing uh, result. But uh, for me personally, it was uh, uh, was, uh, heartfelt to see that uh, the Cowboys uh, fought back, fought back. And, uh, you know, they were three yards away from winning that thing. You know, if... um, if uh, Sean uh, had not fumbled, but I, I credit him with the effort to try to win the game. So, you know, hey, that's the way it goes, I guess, sometimes.
3: There's a lot of things you can point to in that game. I mean, you can just point to a blocked field goal, and uh, you know then it's a tie game, and Sean is only trying to run it in to get the win or get uh, the or, or, uh, field goal for the, for the win. So there's a lot of things during a game to... I can really judge what the outcome could be.
0: Well, I tell you, uh, we have to play the music, though. And uh, the sad, sad music. The Cowboys lost. But I guess there's a better day up ahead. We're going to play UNLV. So, all right. That was the sad music. Sometimes we'll play the good music, but uh, we had to play the sad music this time. Uh, Cody, uh, you're the only one among us four on the uh, podcast tonight that actually went. And as we said, you drove down there. Uh, What was your uh, impressions looking up close on the Cowboys?
1: Well, I tell you the, the Cowboys have been outscored 24 to nothing in the first quarter. So it was really encouraging to see them come out fast and, and see Sean throwing the ball and then a nice little 33-yard 33 33-yard 33 jaunt to the end zone there to get things going. Unfortunately, there was a couple more quarters sandwiched in between that were uh, eight punts and eleven drives, and the other drives ended like Jim said in that blocked field goal, uh, halftime and uh, turnover on downs. So um, it was encouraging to see Sean Chambers get benched and uh, and come back the way he did and respond, uh, scored a couple of touchdowns, and it sure looked like that last one, uh, it looked like that was just earmarked for the end zone, uh, you know, to, to get out of there 4-0 and non-conference, but uh, it just wasn't meant to be, and you would have liked a youngster to hit the deck and not take a chance like that, but, uh, you know, and get the field goal and get into overtime, which I'm sure Bull would have done, but, um, you know, you live and learn, and uh, you, you can't fault the kid he was trying to win, so... Um, it's it stinks and it's uh, you know it's a tough pill to swallow, but uh, I think they took a lot of confidence from that game, even despite taking the L.
0: Well, I tell you, it was a real body bag game. Uh, how many injuries did we have in that thing?
1: Oh jeez, I I didn't even count them up, but uh, I know Monday Craig Bowl, uh kind of went down the list, and it was extensive. But um, I think out of that, Trey Smith, the the running back, was hurt in the first quarter, looked like an ankle. Um, he was in street clothes on crutches, the rest of the game, it looks like he's going to be out six to eight weeks. And, um, Alonzo Velasquez was also lost early in the game. The, the big, uh, right tackle. Um, he got an MRI on Monday. Um, I, I guess Davis Potter from the Casper stars reporting that he was in street clothes today with no brace. And, uh, they're kind of holding their breath, so it doesn't sound like a torn ACL. But uh, I guess we'll see. He's had terrible luck with his knees. But other than that, a lot of a lot of bang, a lot of bruises, and uh, you know, Logan Harris will not play this week. Obviously, he had a scary scene. Uh, it's never good to see an ambulance come out on the middle of the field and pick somebody up. Um, so he won't play. Um, Tyler Hall, another impact player, is in concussion protocol. Was on Monday. Uh, coach expects him to be there and coach expects, uh, uh, Xavion and, uh, Titus Wynn to be a hundred percent, which they'll need to be obviously with, uh, Trey Smith down. So it sounds like they're going to suit up a true freshman, Alonzo Andrews, uh, here on Saturday against UNLV. Well,
0: uh, next man up, uh, You know, you try to build that uh, depth of that team. And maybe sometimes you have to dip into the younger ranks. And uh, this is one of those cases. Uh, uh, Jim, uh, what was your assessment there of the game?
3: Well, you know, I was just going to follow up on what Cody just said, is that these injuries are, you know, we're into the fourth game of the season now. That's going to happen. I was looking at uh, UNLV's uh, depth chart, and they've lost, uh, I think, upwards to 10 of their players this year already. So you know it—it's just part of football, and you know the, the guys are playing hard. And you know, ten injuries for UNL and LV, and the injuries that we've sustained—that's just part of the deal. But you know, that's what it's all about—is depth. And I think for the first time that I've seen in many, many years, that Wyoming actually does have some depth. I wish we had a couple of those running backs that we lost, you know, for transfers. That would should be nice right now, but uh, be good to see what that alonzo andrews is all about as well
0: well uh, i was wondering a little bit about the turf there on the uh, field at tulsa do you think that contributed to the um, injuries anybody
1: um yeah the guys never mentioned anything about it so so i would say no um i know like the logan harris it was just a you know, that was unfortunate little crackback type of deal, but, uh, it was just a hard hitting physical game. Uh, Reese Monaco mentioned it a hundred times on the telecast or on the, uh, on the radio. And, uh, it was just a, it was a slobber knocker from start to finish and you could hear pads popping up in the press box. So, uh, you know, not that there was many people there so you could really hear it, but, uh, um, yeah, I don't think it was a turf.
0: Well, um, We know that this team fights and that uh, they don't panic when they get behind. So uh, that served them well. And like I said, just three yards short, I guess. To me,
1: they played better. They played better when they're up tempo and they're trying to make plays and they have to make plays. It it reminded me of Wofford last year when they, you know, they had one drive left. They had to make a play or They were going to lose. They went up tempo. They made some plays. The receivers didn't have time to think about making catches and turning up field. They made the catches and turned up field and, we saw that with Rocket Ishmael this week and, and Dante Crow. They both made a couple of fantastic catches, and uh, that looked like a real offense there, those uh, last three drives.
0: So you think we're being a little too conservative?
1: Oh, always. I think that's the Craig Bull way, but uh, he doesn't want to go up-tempo, and I understand that because, because of the depth thing. He doesn't want the defense on the field that much, and he doesn't want quick three and outs, but... In reality, we are having quick three and outs anyway. Um, Eight out of 11 drives, you know, in the middle of that game. It was brutal offensive football to watch.
3: right, remember when we were sitting there during the game after Logan Harris' injury, uh, both of us kind of looked at each other and said, you know, this might just spark the team. And it seemed like it did have some impact that they kind of rallied around him. And there was something ignited and got him going.
2: Yeah, that was a tough game for me to watch personally because not only were the Cowboys struggling on offense, it was going to be a tight, intense game. Also, we're, we're worried about the injury situation because there just seemed like all these injuries started piling up and you're thinking the long-term of the season because regardless of what happened at Tulsa, the Cowboys still have a very uh, key part of their schedule remaining and we, we want to be as healthy as possible and uh, as the season moves forward. So, yeah, the Logan Harris uh, – Thing, kind of inspired the Cowboys they played a great fourth quarter or played a really good fourth quarter I think they bounced back really well made made some great plays the re- wide receivers actually showed the capability to make some tough catches which we hadn't seen all season and um and I like the way the defense played I even though the defense gave up some big plays you throw those two big plays out I really thought that defensive line is really starting to emerge and uh, especially Solomon Bird he is really start he's only a red uh, tr- Richard redshirt freshman right now, but he looks like he can be a real impact player for the Cowboys going forward.
1: Brian, you got to give a ton of credit to Zach Smith, the Tulsa quarterback. He got dumped on his wallet after every single pass. And all the guys said that Garrett crawl was singing his praises yesterday. They'd never seen a dropback passer get beat up the way that Zach Smith did. And he still throws for 354 yards, even though he gets sacked seven times, he was dumped all day long. That kid's tough.
0: Yeah, oh yeah, that, uh, he was amazing. And we seem to, um, we seem to run into those kind of quarterbacks lately. The last, uh, the last four we've had have been pretty dynamic. So,
1: <laughs> amazing to me that they gave up that many passing yards, even though they were having that much success getting to the quarterback. And you know, they threw the ball fifty times. And Craig Bull even mentioned, I cannot believe we didn't get an interception when they throw the ball fifty times when we're in his kitchen all day long. And I totally agree. I I don't know what the problem is on the back end, but something they want to keep these plays in front of them the problem is they're keeping it in front of them they catch the ball they miss a tackle these guys are gone
2: yeah yeah you throw those two big plays out um you know smith did throw the ball 50 times he only completed 25 passes but those two plays that he threw just huge plays you take those two plays out of the equation we we have a lot different situation in the game in terms of the score and the momentum and all those type of things but i I agree with you cody I, i thought the kid was you know, I rewatched the game on Monday or Sunday, and I was really impressed with his uh, ability to get rid of the football, take those tough hits, and make some really accurate throws. Something we haven't seen much out of the Cowboys this year. So,
3: we're going to have another pretty dynamic quarterback that we're going to look at on Saturday. I think this Armani Rogers is, you know, quite the real deal there. I mean, I don't think he's a great passer, but boy, he sure is a dual threat uh, type quarterback.
0: Well, why don't we uh, why don't we put uh, Tulsa to bed and move on to the next game? So, uh, in honor of the UNLV Rebels, let's uh, play their school song here. UNLV fight song. They're the next up at uh, Laramie, and uh, that's going to be a night game, right?
2: That is correct. 6 p.m. Mountain kickoff on ESPNU. But Cody, make sure you wear your white.
0: <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> it's going to be yes, a whiteout. Now, uh, uh, this is a little off the path, but what in the heck is the thing about a whiteout? When we could have a brownout. We could have a... Yellow out, we could do the stripes again, but why white? Anybody know?
3: Yeah, I, I don't know about that. It's an evening game. Maybe it was during the heat of the day in the first game in August. I could see maybe it's white, but
1: shoot, by 7, 8 o'clock in Laramie, it's going to be cool.
0: Yeah, and if it snows... Yeah, <laughs>
1: Was, uh, the last time we had a whiteout, uh, Derek Carr came into Laramie and absolutely torched the Cowboys, so I think they should have put the white thing to bed.
0: Yeah, uh, I'd forgotten about that. So, Jim, what can you tell us about uh, UNLV?
3: Yes, you know, they've really had some uh, bad success over the last few years. I mean, if you want to play a sad song, you might uh, wear out your uh, record player there, you uh, Jeff, uh, I was just looking at since 1994, they've only had two winning seasons in the past 25 years. And Tony Sanchez has yet to have a winning season. So he's, he's got to be once again on the hot seat uh, for uh, what he's looking at for next year. And, you know, they're probably having to b- try to build some momentum to try to figure out a way to make that new stadium and have some people in it. I mean, it was bad enough when they are playing in Sam Boyd, but imagine, you know, the UNLV crowd playing in a seventy-five thousand uh, NFL stadium. What
2: that's going to look like?
0: Well, it's going to look like San Diego State? <laughs> I mean, they they get worse. a yeah yeah maybe even worse.
2: Well, I think they're going to design that stadium so uh, they can have lower concourse filled and kind of hide the upper concourse it's going to be a state-of-the-art stadium so I think they're going to be able if they can get 35,000 in there it's probably not going to look so bad for UNLV and I think being that it's closer to campus and the strip it's going to help their attendance uh, a little bit.
1: Yeah, I talked to Tony Sanchez guys at uh, Mountain West Media Days and uh, we joked a little bit about the uh, last time these two teams met which was a barn burner, I, I imagine. I think it finished 69 66 UNLV. Um, he said that uh, he had a few beers after that one, but he also said that uh, with the new stadium, he thinks Raiders tickets are going to be so expensive and so hard to get that people are going to be interested in coming to the UNLV games. Like you said, I am being so close to campus, so close to downtown you know just getting some football in plus i believe now you can bet on you can bet on the rebels right there in las vegas as well now so i think it's kind of a free-for-all as far as that goes
2: yeah the stadium's right across from mandalay bay there's gonna be a walk over the interstate so i think it's the the problem the unlv has had they have that stadium way out in the desert it's very difficult for the students to get to it's gonna be a lot easier for them to get there so if they have any type of success it should help help their attendance out uh, quite a bit but uh, the Cowboys you know they I've been to games out at UNLV when John Robinson coached there and he's probably the only one that produced the two winning seasons and you know they actually do fairly well out there with with some success but that's definitely a basketball school Uh, there's no question if their their main focal point is basketball and you can certainly uh, see by their performance that the the football program has been one of the worst and worst in the Mountain West.
3: Talking about that talking about being on campus to so the students would be a lot closer to attend. And that might all fill the uh, stadium or make the stadium look a lot better with attendance. It just kind of makes me think about some of the reasoning of moving to CSU stadium on campus. And right now it doesn't seem like they're doing very well either.
0: Well, you got to win games. Uh, I'm, I mean, uh... Uh, War Memorial has its problems when the Cowboys aren't winning. So I can't imagine it's well, you, any different.
1: You know he's kind of lucky too, in the regard fellas that they can get non-conference, big non-conference opponents to come there because they're not worried about them and they want their fans to come out and have a good time in Vegas. And the one that comes to mind is Wisconsin. They, they probably drank the strip out of beer, but, uh, they came down in droves and had a great time down there, and uh, you know they're not worried about going and losing to the rebels. They're they're worried about hey, our our fans can come have fun in Vegas, and we have probably have a lot of alumni in California.
2: Yeah, and they should be able to draw a pretty good non-conference schedule now, just because of that new stadium. They've done okay with bringing some teams into Las Vegas, but I bet they get some pretty marquee matchups now because you know fan bases. You know, the administration, these schools know that fans like to go to Las Vegas. Now they have a real good venue to be able to track track some teams in.
0: Yeah, I tell you, when uh, Wyoming played UCLA, a friend of mine uh, got in trouble with his wife. Uh, He was kind of toasted. He went to the sports book right before they went out to the stadium and bet Wyoming to win 100 bucks and his wife Was me. me? <laughs> I don't know if that was you <laughs> The guy I'm thinking about is an old classmate of mine he said he got a new he got a new one ripped by his wife all the way to the stadium and he said there was nothing more exciting than going back to that window with that winning ticket and handing it in after that UCLA win and he, he said he came home with like sixteen, seventeen hundred dollars 1700 to spend the rest of the weekend so uh, I he,
1: did the same thing boy it was sweet
0: yeah Oh, he did. Okay.
1: Yeah. The guy told me, uh, you're crazy. Just take the points. I believe it was a 14 point spread. And he said, just take the points, man. And I said, no, nah, we're going to win this thing. And he said, all right, I'll be here tomorrow at the same time. So I can tell you, I told you. So I said, all right, we'll see you tomorrow. <laughs> that was pretty sweet.
0: Yeah. Oh yeah. Wow. So, uh, yeah, there's that. I mean, uh, the they're going to, they're going to get a lot of people that want to go. And, uh, I've, I, and in interacting with other non-conference uh, fans, uh, we talk about Las Vegas. Uh, I always point out that Wyoming gets to go to Las Vegas in football every other year, or it used to. Now now it's kind of different because of the division of the, um, uh, uh, thing. Uh, but um, we get to go there at least once every uh, basketball season. So... Uh, our fans have uh, really got that down pat so uh, what do you think uh, what do you think about uh, the game against UNLV Uh, Wyoming I think is a nine and a half point favorite
2: that is correct the Cowboys are nine and a half I think the game started at seven points so the betters are obviously betting Wyoming right now and they're trying to get more fans to bet UNLV but this is the game that type of game i really feel the cowboys are in a really good situation they should be in a good situation a win is a must game you got a team a struggling program coming up to altitude Uh, the cowboys are obviously a physical football team i don't really look at unlv being a physical football team i do look at them having some individual talent but they do have two weeks to get ready for this game and get rested up, and we just came off a physical game. So I would say if there's one concern there. But, uh, you know, we're, this is a game the Cowboys absolutely have to win. I think this is a, a, almost 100% must win for the Pokes.
0: Oh, I know it's a 100% win, just to keep the fan base happy. And uh, also, I would like to have one game where we're not sweating it in the fourth quarter in the last few minutes. I wish they would uh, get off to a quick start and get this one uh, – put away but it doesn't seem like this is the mo of this team
1: i don't
3: think that one i don't think that's going to happen this week either i just see this game once again being a fourth quarter game of, you know i think we're going to win this game but i th- i look at it as a fourth quarter game once again
0: oh man my nerves can't take it um well uh we've got uh, chambers back Um, Do we have any idea about the running back situation? Is Valaday going to play?
2: Valaday sounds like he's going to be 100%, or Bull expects him, as Cody alluded to earlier, going to be 100%. And Titus Swin, apparently, (laughs) is going to be healthy to play. And then... They're uh, thinking about suiting up the third string running back, which is Alfonso Andrews out of St. Louis or out of the Missouri area, I believe. Um, very talented young running back that just, I don't know if they have a whole lot of confidence right now. He's ready to step in or not, but does have some some capability there. So if there's really one position, of course, the left side of the offensive line is also the, a little bit of an issue too with Valaquez and Harris out. So, But uh, the running back, uh, both seem a little bit uh, concerned about the running back situation I'm sure Cody can expand on that a little bit more because he was at the conference uh, post game conference
1: yeah no he is worried about it but uh, he does expect Valaday to be back and to be 100% that should help out uh, tremendously if if he had it his way Valaday would not have played last week Um, I think he didn't take his first snap until the first drive of the third quarter so he would have liked to keep him out. And of course, you know, when we get down to Brett Brinton, uh, walk on from Casper, um, you know, he did he, he did what he could do and and, and he, he wasn't a liability by any means, but uh, that means things aren't probably going in the right direction. So it'll be excited to see one of these young kids take full advantage of that redshirt rule where a guy can play four games. Uh, why not in there? Let's go. Uh, I talked to Brent vegan about that as well on Monday. Um, I said, are there any other wide receivers coming up the pipeline? And he said, we're really excited about the young kids. And and then we got into the, well, they have four games. Why not? So so we might see some of that. And then they all kind of alluded to the fact, which I don't know if I'm buying it, that they've been saving stuff for conference play. I, I don't know if I'm buying that at all, but uh, they all kind of alluded to it. So um, Rudy Stouffer said, expect to see a totally different Wyoming offense uh, at six o'clock Saturday night at the Stadium.
2: Yeah, Dana Delmel used to say that too, by the way, just to let you guys know.
1: <laughs> did he mean it?
2: <laughs> uh, I, maybe he did. I yeah, just remember he'd say that before we went and played Georgia. We played Montana. He was really kept everything close to the vest. So that I remember the first time I ever heard that was from Coach Delmel about 20 years ago. <laughs>
0: Yeah, yeah. They always have something up their sleeve, right? Well,
3: um... Uh, We'll see those tight ends running wild then on Saturday.
0: Oh, God. That'd be nice, wouldn't it? I brought that up on the board, and actually Southern Cowboy uh, piped up. I was surprised that he piped up to point out that, uh, you know, they'd been keeping him in to protect the the quarterback. Uh, I didn't make any uh, nifty comments after that, but I just... I just thought to myself, well, you could always scrape and let them run out there uh, in the in the flat after they've hit their guy. You know, there's that, but hopefully we see some of that.
1: Yeah, um, it would be nice. I'll
3: see some of that fullback passing as well. You know, the uh I mean, drew Van Man did a pretty good job for us with some of his reception. So maybe that we'll see start seeing some of that again.
0: Yeah, that'd be nice. Um, well, uh, these guys have got four games under their belts. So they should be able to um, uh, not have any uh, nerves this time. They know how to play this game. They're ready to go. So uh, I'm uh, I'm hoping. I don't want to have another game like we had that time down uh, with Josh Allen. You know, what, 66 to 69 or whatever, whatever the hell that game. Uh, I, I guess we both got to bring our defenses that game Jamie Christmas yeah hosts.
1: Wyoming Wyoming better hope they don't get in anything like that because they don't they don't I don't believe they have what it takes to to get into something like that with this squad uh, that team had some great receivers great tight ends a great running game they and a, obviously an awesome quarterback so I don't know if uh, I don't know if we're gonna be seeing any 69 66 stuff
0: yeah I saw I saw one of the betting boards they had some ridiculous they predicted Wyoming would win 56 to 49 and I'm thinking no, 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 I don't th- <laughs> I think, you no are- <laughs> I think you guys think no you guys are way. smoking First something thing man.
3: about that 69 to 66 game is that last drive that Josh Allen masterminded yeah. probably would have gone down in the books as one of the all time great drives, it still is but when you put the hashtag loss on it you know, it just kind of loses its uh, value. But what an incredible driver. That last catch by Tanner Gentry there on the hand was unbelievable.
1: Oh, yeah. yeah. Gentry made some amazing catches all day in that one, man. He was he was on another planet. So was our defense, unfortunately.
0: Yeah. <laughs> so we can't afford to. What's the weather going to look like uh, in Laramie? Does anybody know?
2: I believe it's going to be around uh, 60 low 60s around kickoff there might be some showers um, i think it's going to be because the game's going to start with the sun beginning to set so i think by the time that thing gets going into the second quarter it's going to be a little chilly it's got starting its low 60s and kind of moving downward and we know how laramie gets once that sun starts <laughs> going down and but there it could be a little wet could be some showers involved
1: uh, on saturday I'm looking right now. It looks like a little wind, too.
0: That doesn't help. That's correct.
1: Yeah, I saw that part, too. I guess there's going to be a breeze 15
2: to 20 miles per hour, something like that.
3: Actually, that rain
2: forecast has
3: kind of gone all over the board. It was virtually no chance of rain. Then yesterday it was up to 40%. and Then today I see now it's in the 20%. So hopefully that rain stays away and and at least... I don't think we're going to have a lightning problem,
2: unfortunately. Yeah, I don't see any lightning problem. Uh, you know, if that's it's going to be good weather. I mean, it's going to be super warm or anything, but I think it's weather we can deal with in Wyoming and, um, you know, might have to wear a jacket, you know, for the second half, that sort of thing. Not sure how we're going to deal with the whiteout. Um, we're going to have to put the white shirts over the jacket if it starts getting chilly. I don't know how that's going to work.
0: Oh, boy.
1: Like a Wyoming Halloween costume.
0: Oh god. Uh yeah, I did. <laughs> the
1: trailer. Oh, uh, you know, we were
3: shooting the breeze during the uh Tulsa game and we thought if Wyoming won last week, we'd probably be in that 23 to 25 range and we're probably looking what do you think right now that 19 to 22 range?
2: It's kind of what I'm thinking too. I think we'll be around 20,000 and maybe maybe a little more for this game. I think the fan uh, The fans are still pretty engaged with the football team right now and being a conference opener. And it's not the best starting time, but it's not an 18, 8, 15 kickoff either. So I I would probably I'm just going to take a guess and say it's going to be around 20,000, maybe a little north.
0: But those night games are really rough on the people that have to travel uh, long distances. Uh, So that kind of puts a damper on it, doesn't it?
2: Yeah, I would agree, and I think the student section for games like this tend to come out pretty well for the, for the night game. So the students tend to step up in those situations. Um, so I, I think a similar student crowd they had with the, uh, the Idaho game, which I think was pretty good. So I expect the students to be pretty solid.
0: That's good. Um, so uh, have we said everything to be said about the um, UNLV game?
1: I was just looking. They have a uh, they have a running back, Charles Williams on fifty attempts this year, four hundred fifty five yards and six touchdowns. That's an average of nine point one a carry. So the uh, you know, Cowboys' defense has been up to the task. The run defense has definitely been up to the task. They're a top thirty uh, n- nationally ranked in the top thirty. So uh, they're going to need to corral that kid. I think the goal, like Tulsa's goal was against Wyoming. I think the goal for Wyoming is to make the Rogers kid beat you through the air, which Um, I don't think he's as capable of that as Charles Williams going nuts on the ground. So uh, if they can make the quarterback beat him, they'll be in a good position, I believe.
2: Yeah, I actually like that matchup with the uh, UNLV quarterback because I think the Cowboy, like he's not a great thrower, an accurate throw, and I think the Cowboy, I could see him in a situation where he's misfiring on some some passes, some throws, and the Cowboys may be able to pick some pick some passes off from him, gain some momentum. Um, he's not that pure thrower, and I think our, our defensive line's played pretty well to this point against the run, so... At least from afar, before the game's kicking off, I, I do kind of like that matchup better than the matchup we had with Zach Smith last weekend.
3: Uh, Charles Williams, Cody's right. He's you know, averaging about nine yards per carry, and that's an incredible stat. Uh, he's you know he's not a big back. He's 5'9", 190, but you know he runs behind a pretty experienced offensive line. You know they start. You know, a sophomore, junior, two seniors, and a sophomore along their offensive line. And they had 10 of their linemen that played quite a bit last year. And of those 10, nine of them are back. So they've got some experience up front there. And so, you know, you look at an experienced offensive line, you know, dominated by upperclassmen, plus a running back that could do his thing. You know, our front uh, defensive line is going to have their hands full.
1: Well, and I'm looking here too, uh, Jim, it's hard to believe that Rogers has been sacked 11 times. He's only, uh, with an experienced offensive line, like you said, um, he's 35 for 66 for only 306 yards passing this year with one touchdown, two interceptions and 11 sacks. So, uh, that, that has to bode well for the Cowboys who I believe are fourth, fifth in the nation in sacks right now. Yeah, they're up there. You know, I
3: watched, uh, Cody, you're right. I watched, uh, some of their film against Arkansas State. And the one thing their quarterback does is he holds on to the ball quite a while. Because he's looking to run, and then he's he's trying to make a decision if he's gonna pass or he's gonna run. So he does hold on to the ball a bit. So uh, I think that leads to a lot of his sacks.
1: Yeah, and something that's hurt the Cowboys the last two weeks, fellas, uh, that we saw in the first two weeks is the turnover thing. The Cowboys just have not have not gotten the turnovers the last two weeks. Uh, you know, last week they finished uh, even after that last second fumble. So, uh, you know, they need to. That's that's winning football. That's winning defensive football. Even though you're giving up, you know, a ton of yards through the air. Um, the Cowboys were picking off. The Cowboys were getting fumbles. Uh, you know, that's what makes Zach Smiths. Performance last week even more amazing to me that he never dropped the ball once and never threw a pick. I mean, I've I haven't seen a quarterback take a beating like that since uh, probably Casey Brimley.
0: <laughs> oh geez, oh, that brings back memories. Oh God, poor guy. That that's a hor- that's a horror story there. Oh my God, isn't it? Yeah, Whew. but toughest
1: uh, cowboy I've ever seen.
0: Oh yeah, he had to be. Uh, <laughs> so, oh man, he got a, he got all the lookout book. Lookout blocks he could stand, you know?
1: Where <laughs> and then his brother got to win the Las Vegas Bowl with his guys. Yeah, yeah. It's funny, just, funny how the world works.
0: Yep. I tell you. I tell you. Well, uh, I guess we can be reasonably confident uh, going into this game. Um, but I tell you what, guys... I, I, I've been reading the board here the last week or so and you know if you were to just dip in and take some of the commentary commentary on the board you'd think this was a uh uh an o uh <laughs> an 14 uh I tell you they're the 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 fan base is really fired up and uh they're calling for people's heads and I don't know am I are, are, are they being unreasonable or what the hell is going on there
3: well, I think the silent majority is alive and well in Wyoming and the fan base. You know, the silent majority is a very supportive program what like Coach Bull is doing. There is some, uh, you know, tension with his offense and the, the lack of it to the extent where it really is becoming offensive to watch that offense. But generally, I think that the... The fan base is fairly supportive of Coach Bull and, and the way that the program is evolving. You know, I know I am. I obviously I'd like to see a little better offense, but at the end of the day, you know, I'm glad we're three and one.
0: Well, they're uh, they're really focused on. Um vegan which um you hate when when Bo came on board he he was straight up he says uh, we're gonna be a running team we're gonna be a, a a possession type team that's what he's shooting for so i don't uh, i think people are remembering the days back with um, the spread offense nope. and we we're throwing it all over the place but this well, is just sure. not that kind of football team
2: Well, when Joe Tiller coached Wyoming, everybody, a lot of these fans remember him as being this perfect coach. But I remember that era pretty well. And there were a lot of people not very happy with Joe Tiller for a long time. Joe Tiller got off to, you know, he was really kind of on the hot seat in 1995. He had just lost to Utah, BYU and Colorado State and we know back then that was something you just didn't do to lose to three rival teams in one year and they were all our big rivals back in mid-95 then he came back into the season with a three-game win streak and then in 96 they went on that 10-2 and run and then he went off to Purdue and had a lot of success so a lot of fans tend to remember the good good times with these coaches but they don't remember the ups and downs and the ebbs and flows of a building a program and and you know if you compare Bowl to our previous coaching tenures, he's, I think he has things heading the right direction the, the, the offense has to execute better. Now, just think of the Cowboys can maybe, you know, chambers can throw a little bit more accurate passes and the wide receivers wouldn't drop some of those passes. Maybe the wide receivers start making some cut tough catches. I think it's going to extend some drives and, and, and the Cowboys can start scoring more points. So I think right now, the big thing with the offense right now is just execution in the passing game. And, and we did see a little bit of at, at a little bit of that at the end of the fourth quarter the fourth quarter against Tulsa so I'm hoping that some of that momentum is going to come over to this week against UNLV
0: yeah, we certainly needed.
3: it, so. it was definitely bookend offense I mean Sean Chambers started off just great he was, I think it was either 3 for 3 or 4 for 4 that first drive and then it went completely flat to the very end so if we can fill that middle up a little bit we might uh you know, actually surprise some people with our offense.
0: Yeah. That's uh that's the big hope. And uh with uh, uh Vanderwall getting a little bit of um action there, uh uh that uh, probably plays in the back of Sean's mind that uh you know they're not afraid to, to pull him if things aren't working. And uh they'll go to Vanderwall if they have to.
1: Yeah, that was kind of a message to the entire offense, really, that, uh, you know, Vanderwall came in and he made a, you know, Rocket made a really nice play for him that unfortunately got called back on a holding, but, uh, you know, Tyler wasn't moving the offense either, but when they reinserted Chambers, that's when the guy said, all right, you know, it's kind of like in hockey when you pull the goalie. It's not the goalie gave up three, but he didn't give up three softies. The defense let him let him in. So it was kind of one of those things where they said all right, guys, wake up because Sean's paying the price for you right now. And they got that message. So it was nice to see those last three drives like that. You just wish uh, Sean would have got down there on that last one and uh, let him kick a field goal and, and see what happens there in overtime. You think uh, that ball would
3: have gone for the field goal?
1: Oh, yeah. Yeah. Just him being as conservative as he is and as hard as they fought. The only reason I would say no is because of the injuries and because there were so many that maybe he thought, you know what, we're we're lucky to be in this position now or banged up. Let's see what happens and get the hell out of here.
2: Yeah, I have no doubt Bull would have went for the field goal. I think anytime you can take a game to overtime after being down 17 to 7 and driving down the field, you, you feel like you have a sh- pretty good shot to win the game in overtime. So, you know, if we just could add an opportunity to kick that extra point, um, you know, we, we tend to do pretty well in those situations when we're in the red zone. So that could have favored Wyoming. But that's be, you know, obviously behind the Cowboys. And, you know, it's just one of those games we're going to have to kind of look back on and hope it doesn't affect things going forward in the season
0: well i think the team is really good at um in a winning situation and in a losing situation Given it you know 24 hours after the game they absorb whatever emotions that they have bad or good and then monday when they come back out on the field uh, to start practice they're uh, focused on the next game and that i think that's something that uh bowl does very very well with this team
2: yeah, I, I'd agree with you, Jeff. I, you know, I think he's, he's just a state You know, his personality trait is very stable, very fundamental with his approach to everything, and and he he does a good job of getting the Cowboys prepared for their next. You know, at least for the next game with the chance to play. And you know, I think he, the guy that's been coaching for a long time, he's been around the block a few times with the Nebraska program and some other programs. He kind of knows how to you know take that approach and get his team ready for the next uh, next game and. and and I this is one of the reasons I feel pretty optimistic for Saturday. I think the cowboys are, are you know going to come out ready to play, you know, coming off such a tough loss.
0: Well, uh, Cody, I wanted to ask you you um before coming back to Wyoming, I guess you were in Michigan State. Was that who you were covering?
1: Yeah, and a, and a brief stint covering the Pittsburgh Penguins. But, yeah, the last few years uh, covering Michigan State.
0: So uh, your perspective is uh, pretty good. Having seen a big program like that and then coming back to Wyoming, uh, what are some of the differences or what are some of the things that Wyoming are doing uh, that's like that? Or uh, is it is it a fair comparison? <laughs>
1: Um, it, I guess it is uh, the the fans and the the griping and everything is so much more magnified in East Lansing uh, with a Big Ten school. Um, those people really when they when they lost ten to seven a couple weeks ago to Arizona State, they were calling for Mark D'Antonio. And then last week he became the winningest coach in Michigan State football history. So um they really flip out on that football team uh, obviously Tom Mizzo gets a little more rope but uh yeah they wig out on that football team and it's magnified 100 percent and uh you know with them it's just it, it it's so big and it's such a big event and you know like you know like I was gonna tell you guys earlier you know some of these online comments as ridiculous as they are um I like it because I like that Wyoming is – I like that people's standards have raised. I like that people aren't happy at 3-1, and one, and even if they were 4-0, and o, people wouldn't be happy about how they got to 4-0. And, and when I was just a fan, that was me, and I, I felt like I had ridiculous expectations because, you know, like Arkansas, for instance, loses to San Jose State last week. Uh, people are freaking out saying, you know, an SEC team shouldn't lose to them. That's a fireable offense. Uh, when Wyoming lost to them, I was – I I gotta admit I was one of those guys that said that's a fireable offense you don't lose to San Jose State period let alone in Laramie and you know I I like that the expectations are raised some of these guys are totally ridiculous I I saw a lot of people blaming Sean Chambers for the loss and you know that's just ridiculous that's not that's just uneducated but uh, yeah I do like to see people uh, getting way more serious about cowboy football and holding them to a higher standard like they should be in my opinion.
2: Yeah, I'm all with that. I like high expectations. The passion that goes along uh, with, with the fan base is very important. We need to have that because there's some programs out there don't even come close to that. Let's just face to it. But also on the flip side, I, one thing I don't want to see is a good coach that's maybe building a good foundation, much you know, like Tiller was doing back in the 90s. I'm not saying that Tiller got run out of Laramie necessarily, but the one thing you don't want to see is get to a point where – even though coach is having some ups and downs while he's, he's trying to get the program, you know, into a good situation. And and I believe bowl has done that to this point that you don't get to a point where you end up chasing a, you know, a solid coach for a program out, but the, the expectations is important part and very good. And, and that is a good perspective on that to have, have people out there that do have that great passion
1: when they're good about blocking out the noise, I've noticed the Cowboys are, but then you see a tweet from Sean chambers that says, you know, something to the effect of, you know, don't stick with us. If you don't, you know, if you're not with us now, don't stick with us. And then you see rocket Ishmael saying the same thing. So these guys are paying attention to what is being said out there. They, they all say they're not, but they absolutely are. So it's a big deal, but why do you go play college football? You know, you, you want fans to care and, you know, you want fans to talk about you and stuff like that. and, You know, UNLV is probably not talking about their guys. It's probably like, oh, ho-hum, UNLV lost again, you know, big shocker. But for us, you know, I like that if you're not winning in dominant fashion over in Idaho like you should, they're holding your feet to the fire. I, I personally like that a lot.
0: Yeah, well, I I was over at the uh, UNLV board, the Rivals board uh this afternoon and uh you're right. They're they're kind of resigned. Uh well, if we do this, maybe we might beat Wyoming or you know, and it's just and uh the the fan base is beaten down as well as the team. So, uh uh, the yeah, they're, is- a
2: peer, uh, they're more definitely focused towards the basketball program, and with UNLV, that's kind of where they put all their their motivation and hope into. And you can't blame them. They're counting their minutes down to the the upcoming basketball season.
1: Well, what's great about Wyoming is like Michigan state, it can be both, you know, we we're in a position where we can be both a football and basketball school. And a lot of people aren't in that. I mean, New Mexico is a perfect example of that right now. They're in shambles on the football side and basketball is, you know, they're not great right now, but they always have that potential. And they, every Every seat in the pit's full every night. So, you know, it's it's nice to care about both. And I remember in the Vic coning days how bad it hurt to have people say, oh, we're a basketball school. Because You know, I'm like, absolutely, we're not a basketball school, but it's okay to be both, uh, you know. And that's where at Michigan State I always assumed going in that they were a basketball school. Um, they're not. They're absolutely, if anything, more of a football school, surprisingly, but they're both. They're absolutely both, and that's a great position to be in.
2: Yeah, that's where you want to be. You want to be uh, both basketball and football school, not completely focused on one sport or the other. There's really no advantage to that. And a lot of times with Wyoming, it's really what schools play in the best or what programs play in the best at that time. Back in that coding period, we know we were a basketball school and people were going to the basketball games at pretty high attendances because we had, we're running, you know, making a run at a Mountain West conference championship back then. And the football program is really at the lowest point it it had been at. So um, that's a great point, Cody.
3: Last week we touched a little bit about recruiting. I'm just wondering, Ian, do you have any updates or, uh, Cody, since you're a lot closer, Uh, There is,
2: Yeah, there's no updates uh, right now. I know Jalen Grant had visited a couple weeks back in uh, RivalsEdgy.com, which is on the Rivals Network with Gawaiogo.com, had an article that he really enjoyed his visit to Laramie. He's a big offensive lineman that has multiple scholarship offers out of Chicago um and he's a kid that uh, would be a great gift for wyoming he really enjoyed his visit to wyoming he was very impressed with the wyoming crowd versus missouri uh, felt like you know we the, the fans were really into it the fans are really nice to him he really liked the people of wyoming so i think we got a pretty good shot at this kid there's gonna be some competition for him but if we can get this offensive lineman jalen grant to commit he will be a very nice pickup in the future for our offensive line
0: yeah i saw his um Article the the one that you mentioned, and uh, uh, he was impressed. But uh, there's going to be a lot of people looking for his services.
3: You know, speaking of offensive linemen, uh, any news on the two freshman linemen that came in are pretty highly regarded. Uh, The the kid from California and the one from Texas. Uh, Cody, did you get any sense of any where they're at in the program?
1: Uh, No, and in fact, uh, Latrell Bible, he might be one of the cats you're talking about, was not on the depth chart this week. So um, I don't know. Uh, Ian's probably better with the uh, recruiting angle than I am. I go to Ian for all mine.
2: Yeah, there's three uh, young offensive linemen that the Cowboys signed in the last class. It was Latrell Bible, Carlos Harrison, and John Lookabow. And they're very high on all those guys, but I think the way I think what the staff feels like right now is they feel good about the nine or ten guys they have that are veterans have been in the program right now. Unless the Cowboys get hit with a couple more injuries on the offensive line, um, those guys are going to redshirt. Now they may end up playing. You know, at the end of the year, with that four-game situation, but you may not see with see that with the offensive line as much because, uh, you know, I think the Cowboys feel pretty good about where they're at with their offensive line right now and the players playing, so they want to redshirt those guys. And I, I think those guys are coming along fine. I, I really do. I think they're they're making making progress.
0: Well, gentlemen, um, I think we've played our hand, so I'm going to go over here and reach over here like I usually do. And uh, you know what I do? I go ahead and get myself a cold one out of the fridge. And uh, let's see here if I can get it. Ah, there you go. Ah. Yeah, it's pouring nicely. So. So, there we have another cowboy round table. Gentlemen, I want to thank you for joining me and our far-flung group here. We've got uh, Cody uh, Tucker was uh, sitting in Cheyenne. Jim and S down there, I guess, in Parker, Colorado. And uh, Ian, you're down there in Denver, southern Denver. I'm not exactly sure where you're coming at us from.
2: I'm in the Tech Center.
0: Ah, oh, okay. So you're down in that area.
3: Speaking of the Denver Tech Center. Tony, we have you on board for October 25th at
1: Cowboys in Colorado at the Denver Tech Center. In Mount I'll be there. Can I, can I somehow get you to push it to 6 p.m.?
3: No, it's uh, <laughs> <4:00 a>.
1: <laughs>
3: 6 p.m. Next morning, we have to get rolling to get down to Laramie to watch the
0: company in Nevada.
1: Yes, we do. I'll be there. I appreciate the invite.
2: And I'll be there this time around, too, Jim. I missed out on the last one. Oh,
0: great. Well, one of these days, Jim, I'm going to get myself to Colorado in time to go to one of your meetings. But um, uh, I've done well, my
3: have, uh, just a little bit of information on that. I've had uh, a couple of inquiries, one from Utah. A gentleman is trying to and has met with us. I've gotten some information about doing Cowboys in Utah. <laughs> and so uh, we've uh, been working with him a little bit, and we're looking forward to his first event. We plan on uh, making a drive out there to support his first breakfast, and then we we got an inquiry from somebody from Casper. I said, "Come on, that should be easy. You know, <laughs> just, uh, you know, announce it on the, on Center Street, and everybody in town should be there."
1: Yeah, <laughs> Cowboys in Wyoming.
0: Yeah, Cowboys in Casper. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, you ought to be able to get a pretty crowd there. Now, I've, I've sponsored events out here in uh, northern Virginia, and uh, I've kind of backed off on that because I just I just couldn't get a, a crowd or enthusiasm. Of course, the, the team wasn't doing all that well. Uh, uh, generally, we'd get uh, guys from the congressional offices, you know, the two senators and the representative. Those kids would come over, and I'd get a few— uh, Alumni, According to the Alumni Association, I've got 400 alumnus living in this area around here, but I can only get about five or six of them to show up. So I've been kind of...
3: It's kind of interesting is that group in New York City.
0: Oh, yeah. They
3: put together a pretty group for all their watch parties.
0: Yeah, that's impressive.
3: Um, it might be the vogue thing for people in New York... To go watch, to go to a Wyoming watch
0: party. That's true. Yeah, I hooked up with uh,
1: guys in the alumni association when I lived in Houston, and uh, I think I was a little too wild for that group, so I only went once. But uh, it cool to see, <laughs> <laughs> cool to see fifty or so people hanging out watching.
0: Well, yeah, well, we we can get wild. I, I know that for sure, but um, uh, that's a good thing. That's a good thing, and uh, so. Uh, all right. Well, you guys get that thing nailed down in uh, Laramie and uh, get the Pokes of victory, and I'll be watching on. Uh, let's see, it's on ESPN. U at eight yep. p.m. It's That's eight p.m. Correct. eight ESPN p.m. Mountain U. time. So that'll make it ten p.m. Six
2: p.m. Mountain time. Six p.m. Mountain time. Eight p.m. Eastern Standard
0: time. Ah, uh, okay, okay, good, good. It's not a it's not a backbreaker like starting off at ten. Uh, <laughs> 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 so it's 6 p.m. local uh, time and 8 p.m. out here on the East Coast. Okay, that's good. I can deal with that. All right, gentlemen, I think it's about time uh, to say adieu. Let's just take her on out of here. <laughs> This has been Cowboy Roundtable. I'm your host, Jeff Fry. I want to thank Ian McMacken, Cody Tucker, and Jim Ines for joining us. We'll be back next week at this time to talk about cowboy football. Cowboy Roundtable is a production of Jackalope Ridge Media, LLC. All rights reserved.